Well, I'm not preaching this morning. Let's, let's, let's get a pulpit out here. And uh, I'm going to invite my good friend Matt Bell to come up. So Matt, I, I, I met Matt Bell, Matthew Bell. He's the pastor at Destiny Church in San Antonio, Texas. I met him in 2017 at his church. Um, and I was not yet the pastor here at, at Living Word. We were talking about this on the way here to church with my kids. And Pastor Renee introduced me to, to Matt and said, this guy's going to be the next pastor. And uh, Matt said he, he thought to himself, do they have a 20-year succession plan? <laughs> like, is this going to happen in 20 years? And, uh, and so I, I went and had coffee with him, and he realized that I wasn't 20 years old. And we had a great talk, and God really knit our hearts together. And Matt invited me to a video chat with a group of other pastors. There's five or six other pastors, and Matt's in San Antonio, one pastor's in Minnesota, one's in Wisconsin, there's another one in Texas, um, just several pastors that are of like mind, and he welcomed me into that circle, and that group of brothers have become so close and such a great brotherhood for me, pastors that I can call at any time, text at any time, reach out to them, and so I consider Matt one of my closest of friends, and he's going to bring God's word today. Would you welcome Pastor Matt Bell? Thank you. It is a a great privilege to be with you this morning, this last Sunday of 2020, the best year ever. Amen? (laughs) Uh, Man, I I was ready for Pastor Ben just to go ahead and finish the book of Lamentations uh, this morning. I thought maybe he was going to, but uh, it's going to be good next week. You got to come back next week. And you got to bring somebody with you because it's, he, he's given me the punchline. He's, he's got his whole message down. It is going to be phenomenal. You're going to be blessed next week. I met Pastor Ben about, I guess, three years ago now at this conference. And what he's saying is the truth when I was introduced to him by Pastor Renee and he said, this is my successor. I was shocked because Ben does look young, doesn't he? He does look young. And that's a good thing, right? I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people spend billions of dollars every year trying to look young. Ben gets it for free. That's how blessed uh, that he is. But again, after getting to know him, after about five minutes, I realized this guy is the real deal. And he loves the Lord and he loves his word. And you guys are very, very blessed to have Ben and Estelle here and to serve you guys And it's just been such a treat and a treasure to be able to call him my friend. I also got to know Pastor Matt Carnes a little bit better at the beginning of the year. We went to a conference together in Los Angeles. When was that? In March? March of this year. And had a wonderful time, got to know him and and to hear his heart and his love for the Lord and his love for the Word. And we just had a phenomenal time together. The only problem was Pastor Ben let Pastor Matt drive. And while Pastor Matt is a nice guy, a a godly man, seems like he he knows some things about the Lord and how to live life, you put that guy behind the wheel of a vehicle and a devil comes out. I mean, I I cannot believe the, the Jekyll and Hyde transformation that takes place. This guy driving, I, I was afraid for my life. Have you ever, if, if you've ever ridden with him, raise your hand. Not that many people, because most of them have probably died of a heart attack. I was yelling at him from the back seat. 
I may have sworn. I, I, I was so afraid of him and his driving. Now, Los Angeles, I knew there were crazy drivers there, but I assumed they were the locals, not some preacher from the bayou. This guy made the locals look pedestrian. And so it was good to, uh, to get to know him a little bit better. And I was very happy last night when I got off the plane and got to the curb and Ben drove up to pick me up. I was so <laughs> relieved uh, that I didn't have to ride with Pastor Matt again. Yes, well, then Ben said, you know, hey, are you going to preach a good message today? Because my mom asked me, she said, you didn't get one of those boring preachers to come in. And I, I said, I hope not. I'll do my best. Now I've got to make sure I'm not boring, you know. So Ben's mom, we haven't met yet, but I'm going to do my best for you this morning. Make sure that we're not boring anybody. This hasn't been a boring year, right? I mean, for everything that you could call 2020, it definitely has not been boring. And as we move from 2020 into 2021, how many of you are looking forward to, to just sort of turning the page on this year, starting a new year, moving into something new, into something fresh? How many of you are looking forward to that? Amen? Amen. Me too. But you know what? I've discovered in my 39 years of life that the problems I go to bed with on New Year's Eve are still the problems I wake up with on New Year's Day. Just because we turn the page on a new year, it doesn't mean that everything gets better. And so I'm not putting my hope in the calendar. I'm putting my hope in the faithfulness of God and the Alpha and the Omega. Amen? That's where we as believers need to place our hope. And this year has been an, an interesting year. It's been a, a difficult year in many respects. But as, as we continue to move forward, again, we don't know what the future holds. We, we don't know if 2020 is... is is, you know, going to, all of it's going to go away. And if 2021, we're going to get back to normal. We, we hope we will, but we don't know, but God knows. But no matter what the future holds, no matter what happens in 2021, I do know this. I know that people need Jesus. Amen. People need God. People need to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God and have an encounter with the saving power of Jesus Christ and to be filled with His Spirit. People need that. And for that to happen, the church of Jesus Christ has to step up its game. We are the church. Amen? The church is not the building, and I thank God that we have a lovely building that we can be in today, but the church is not the building. If you were to take this building away, there would still be a church because we are the church. We are the church. And this world needs the church to be the church. This world needs us to shine our lights, to show God's love, to serve, to give, to share the gospel message. And as we look at moving into 2021, I, I do believe that there, is, there are places in all of our lives where we as the church have room to grow, have room to improve, if you will, have room to take uh, certain aspects of our faith or our walk with the Lord to the next level. 
And so this morning, if you would, open with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. How many of you love God's Word? Isn't God's Word just the most blessed, biggest blessing in your life? Absolutely. We're going to spend some time in Acts chapter 2 today. And, and I really believe this. I, I really believe that I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in the fruit of the Spirit. I believe in the, me- the moving of the Holy Spirit. You know, I grew up in a church that sort of prided itself as being a, a Spirit-filled church. And I believe that this church is, is also one of those churches, a Spirit-filled church. Amen? And the Bible actually tells us what that should look like. And as we, again, move into 2021 and and the world needing a church to rise up and to rise up in the power of the Spirit, I want us to examine what what is a Spirit-filled church? What does it look like? What what are the marks and the evidences of of a church, of a community of, of believers that has the Holy Spirit alive and moving in their midst? What, What sort of things should we see in a church that is full of God's Spirit? And and where in in each one of our lives individually can we step up? Can can we increase and and seek more for the Spirit to work in our lives? So Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. And before we get to the text, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful God. Lord, all of the ups and the downs over the last year, all of the hardship, all of the difficulty, all of the unknowns, in every place and at every step of the way, you have proven yourself to be faithful to us. You have proven yourself to be good to your people. Lord, though we don't know what the future may hold, though it may be good, it may be bad, what we do know is that you are always good and you are always faithful. And your promise to us as your people is to never leave us or forsake us, to always be with us, that you have poured out your spirit upon your church, and that you are always with us, giving us your strength, giving us your power, giving us your life, that we can rise up and in you there is no uh, condemnation, in you there is no, no weapon formed against us that will prosper. And so as we move into 2021, we we don't look to the changing of a calendar. Lord, we look to you who never changes because you are always good and faithful. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 42 today. And of course, this is on the day of Pentecost. This is following Jesus' ascension into heaven his promise that he would pour out his spirit upon his church, and he did, because God always keeps his promises, amen? And so the spirit comes down upon the church in in power and in might, and Peter stands up as the apostle, and he proclaims the gospel to all that are assembled in Jerusalem. The the, the first gospel message, the first declaration of the, the Christian faith This man, Peter, who just a few days earlier had denied even knowing Christ, now stands in the same city that Christ was murdered in, now stands before the very same crowds that had shouted, crucify him. And before those same crowds, with the power of the Holy Spirit, he now stands and preaches Christ as the risen Messiah. 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we know, of course, that 3,000 souls were saved on that day, baptized on that day, and the church went from being about 120 people to being 3,000 people in one day. It's an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. Without a doubt, this church was a Spirit-filled church. Amen. If ever there was a church that had the Spirit of God moving in their midst, it was this church from Acts chapter 2. And then in verse 42, it it tells us what happened after that great day and, and how they continued together. And that's what I want to look at today. Verse 42 says, And they, that's the disciples, those who had come to faith in Christ, this 3,000 or so people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This, without a doubt, is a spirit-filled church. There's no doubt about it. And from this passage, I want to show you that that there are four things, four marks of a a church, a, a group of people that have the Spirit of God alive and moving in their midst. Where God's spirit is, these four things come. These four things manifest. These four things you will always find in a church that is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 42 that that they were devoted to these four things. That means that they were fully committed to them, that that this wasn't just a, a program that they started that went for a couple weeks and, and then they, they went on to something else, something bigger, something better. No, devoted means they were fully committed to these things and that they continued in them steadfastly, that this was a part of their, their normal rhythm of life, devoted to these things. And what we see here from the very beginning of the church is that the Christian faith our faith in Christ, it, it produces a kind of living that is distinct from the rest of the world. That Christianity is, is not just something that happens once a week where we come to church or, Lord help us, once every other week or two times a year on Christmas and Easter. You know, I'm sure it's not this way in, in Homa, Louisiana, but where I'm from in San Antonio, we do have what I call CEO Christians. They're the Christmas and Easter only Christians. We have, we have two churches. 
We have the church that comes just about every week, and then we have another church that shows up on Christmas and Easter, and it's wonderful. But Christianity is not just a twice a year thing. It's not just a weekly thing. Our faith is an ongoing lifestyle. Day by day, moment by moment, walking with the Lord, being devoted to these four things. The first thing that we see they were devoted to was they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to what, what their leaders were teaching them. And of course, we know what the apostles' teaching was. It's no mystery to us. The apostles taught what the Lord Jesus taught. The apostles taught the Old Testament scriptures. The apostles wrote down their teaching for us. Thankfully, we have it. It's called the New Testament. So so there's no mystery about what they were teaching. They wrote it down for us. And we are so blessed that we can hold it in our hands today. They were devoted to it. They were devoted to the Word of God. The first century church, the first thing it tells us that they devoted themselves to was to studying the Bible. Continuously, continually they were receiving God's Word. Now, I don't know if, if a, a Bible study typically brings with it the, the sort of picture in your mind that a, a spirit-filled church would bring to mind. You know, sometimes I think that when we say spirit-filled church, we think of people like swinging from the chandeliers or doing a Jericho march around the auditorium, waving flags or maybe handling snakes or something. I don't know what your experience was at a spirit-filled church, but here in this spirit-filled church, the first thing that it says they devoted themselves to was the studying of the Word of God. And let me just submit to you that a spirit-filled Christian will not neglect studying God's Word. This is the first sign of a spirit-filled church. It's one where people don't flee from Scripture, don't run from the teaching and preaching of God's Word, but are driven to it and have spiritual lives that are rooted in it. There exists, for some reason, in our culture and in 2020 and in American Christianity, this dichotomy where on one end of the spectrum you have a spirit-filled church and on the other end of the spectrum you have a word church. They should be one and the same. They should be one and the same. There shouldn't be a separation between a church that is filled with the Spirit of God and a church that is devoted to the Word of God and grounded in the Scripture. Because, of course, we know that all Scripture is inspired by God, breathed out by God, that the Holy Spirit carried these men along as they wrote down for us the very words of God. So, of course, the first mark of a Christian that is full of the Spirit is that they love and hunger, for, have a hunger for the Word of God. A hunger for God's Word. And to be devoted to the apostles' teaching means that they weren't just hearing it, but that they were doing it. Because you can't be devoted to the Word of God and not obey it. Amen? 
Jesus said, if you are my disciples, you will obey my commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That they weren't just hearing the word of God, they were obeying it. They, they weren't like it says in James chapter 122, where he says to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You see, if you come to church week after week and hear the word of God preached, but you never take action on it, you never do it, you never obey it, you never humble yourself and submit your life to the word of God, the Bible says, says you are self-deceived. You're, de- you're deceiving yourself. You, you think you're doing something good for you and, and you think you're making progress, but you're, you're really not until you put into practice and take action on what you are being taught from the Word of God. This is not for super-Christians. This is normal Christianity. Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. To hear God's word and to obey God's word and to study God's word and to encourage one another in God's word is to build your life on a solid and sure foundation that cannot be shaken. 2020 has been a year of shaking. 2020 has been a year of storms. Jesus says, as he goes on in that passage in Matthew chapter 7, that there are storms in this life. None of us is immune from the storms of life, from the problems of life, from the tests of life. But if we build our life on the solid foundation of God's word, when the storms come, our life will not come crumbling down. But if we build our life on anything or anyone else other than Jesus Christ and his word, when the storms come, our lives will be left in shambles because there is no other foundation that can stand the test of the storm. So the first thing they were devoted to, we see, is the word of God, devoted to the apostles' teaching. The second thing it tells us that they were devoted to, continued steadfastly in, it says to the fellowship. To the fellowship. That means that they were devoted to God's word and they were devoted to one another. To the fellowship, to each other. This is real people meeting real needs, joining together in a community to fulfill a real mission, the Great Commission. And we see here from the example of what they did that they truly loved each other. This wasn't a community where, where they, even though it was large, even though there was at the very beginning 3,000, as you continue in the book of Acts, it, it turns into 5,000 very quickly. Even though that is a very large group of people, they still loved one another. They were devoted to the fellowship. And you say, well, how in the world can you love so many different people. How in the world could you possibly know everyone in that size of community? And it's impossible. You, you can't. In, in, a, in a group that large and, and possibly even in a, in a church this size, it's impossible to know everyone. But you can still love them. 
Because love is not an emotion. Love is, is a commitment. Love isn't just butterflies in your stomach and, oh, I just love this person. They're just so good to me and they make me feel so happy. That's not what love is. Love is a commitment. Love is showing through action. And, and you don't have to know everyone and know everyone perfectly and know everyone fully to be committed to them as a member of the body of Christ and to show them love, to, to even give sacrificially. I love what Pastor Ben was doing this morning, encouraging you to give towards a, a member of the church who is in need. A, a missionary who's, who's out there on the front lines to take the gospel to people who have never heard it, to, to be a, a witness for Christ, who, who is in a hard place. The body of Christ, we can come together and make a difference. Whereas by ourselves, each of us individually, it might be very hard for one of us to try to take on lightening their burden. But all of us together... Giving just a little can be a huge blessing. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to each other. They truly loved each other. Not an emotional feeling, but a commitment to the brothers and sisters in Christ. Love, of course, we know is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit was poured out, what overflowed in their hearts was love was love. I've met with many people over the years as a pastor who have had issues with the church, and they've, they've said things to me like this, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I don't like the church. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I love him. He's my Savior. I just don't like the church. I don't want to be a part of a church. And that would be like me going up to you and saying, I love you, but your wife, I, I just can't stand her. She's a disaster. I, can't, I mean, but we can still be friends, right? It's not the way it works. Listen, the church was Jesus's idea. He, he, Ephesians chapter 5 says that Jesus died for the church. For us, for the people of God. The church was Jesus' idea. It's impossible to follow Christ while shunning the church he died to save. Individually, we can be Christians. We are Christians individually, personally. But to be the church, we have to unite with God's people. We have to come together. We have to be devoted to the fellowship. Yes, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but you are also to be a part of the family of God. And I know that on the last Sunday of the year, I'm preaching to the choir on this point. You are the fellowship. You are the ones who love the church. You are the ones who show up, who give, who serve, who show up two days after Christmas while everyone else is still hungover. You're here. Because you love the Lord and you love his church. But we live in a very individualistic society. And a lot of times people are more preoccupied 
and worried about their personal relationship with Jesus rather than how they are participating in God's family. And yes, you can be a Christian by yourself, but you cannot be the church by yourself. To be the church, you have to come together. To be the church, you have to be devoted to the word of God and to the fellowship. The third thing that we see they were devoted to after the word of God and after each other, the fellowship they had with one another, is something that you really don't have to twist people's arms too hard on. They were devoted to the breaking of bread together. And I thank God that he said the breaking of bread and not serving of vegetables or something horrible like that. How many of you love bread? I love bread. I'm so glad that Jesus is the bread of life and not the broccoli of life or something like that. They were devoted to the breaking of bread, of coming together. Now, now, is this talking about the sharing of meals? Yes, I believe that it is. Is it also talking about celebrating the Lord's table and supper? Yes, I believe that it is. I believe it's talking about both. This, this coming together, something happens when there's food there. I, I, I'm a firm believer in eating food. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a blessing from God. In San Antonio, we have Mexican food on every corner. I mean, every single corner. And it is good, and it is cheap, and, like, and it is fast. The three things that are so hard to find, good, fast, and cheap, we have it in abundance. And so regularly, in obedience to the Word of God, I will go and eat enchiladas with men from the church and, and break bread together. Of course, we're breaking tortillas together, but I still believe that it counts. I don't know what the Cajun version of a tortilla is. Do you have some sort of Cajun bread? What do you have, cornbread? What? French bread? I'm going to have to, I have never had French bread, but I will make it a point today before the sun sets to break some French bread. But in addition, I believe, to, to sharing those, those meals with one another, which is so important, It's also talking about taking the Lord's Supper together. And when we come together and take the Lord's Supper, as we did today, and I cannot wait until we can stop with the prepackaged communion. We're doing the same thing at my church, and it's just, it really kills the mood when you're trying to open that thing. It's a real disaster. But anyway... Communion is a a somber time where we really reflect on the the sacrifice that Christ made for us. The Apostle Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians that it's it's a sober time. And it's a time where we should examine ourselves and examine our hearts and and to, to practice repentance before the Lord of any sin in our lives. And so not, not only had they heard the gospel, received the gospel, believed the gospel, been filled with the Spirit of God, growing in the Word of God, devoting themselves to one another in love, but they're, they're practicing regularly coming before the Lord, reflecting on His sacrifice, the, the atoning work, and to repent before Him and to walk in fellowship with him together. The breaking of bread was a, a regular part of what they were doing, reflecting on the, the life, death, burial, resurrection, and imminent return of our Lord. 
The fourth thing we see that they were devoted to is that they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, and I saw this passage hanging uh, on the wall in Pastor Ben's office today. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The Apostle Paul picks up on this theme, praying without ceasing. Here in the book of Acts, Luke writes down for us that the early church was a church devoted to prayer. They continued steadfastly in prayer. Now, I think sometimes, I know if, if you grew up in church, you, you may have, I think, some bad ideas about prayer. Some unbiblical ideas about prayer. And unfortunately, these ideas rob many Christians of a vibrant prayer life. I've known people in my life and grown up with people in the church who were wonderful people. And they were normal people. Down to earth, salt of the earth kind of people. Until you ask them to pray. And as soon as they start praying, it's like they were speaking a foreign language. They, they totally changed who they were. And it's like all of a sudden they, they were speaking in King James English and, Our Father in heaven, we just beseech thee and come before thy throne and, Lord, that you wouldst grant unto thy servant this blah, blah. And it's like, what is, what is this? We're just kind of looking around and, in Jesus' name, amen. And there, did you see the Saints game last night? It was uh, phenomenal. You know, it's like, what, what was that? Listen, you, you don't have to change who you are when you go to the Lord in prayer. It, you don't have to, to develop all of this Christianese and, and speak in old King James English to pray. To pray without ceasing, to pray continually. What he's talking about is this ongoing moment by moment, even inner dialogue and prayer with the Lord. Pray without ceasing. To, to wake up in the morning and to, to say, good morning, Lord, and, and Lord, help me to live life for you today, and, and, and Lord, bring people into my path that I can love and serve today, and let me accomplish your will for my life, and thank you for all my blessings, and, and to continue on your day throughout the day, Remembering the Lord, praying to the Lord, and you don't have to kick into some sort of pious, frowning, constipated look when you pray. If you want to do that, God bless you. Add me to your prayer list. I will be happy to receive those prayers. But if, if, if you have a hard time doing that, don't worry. You can be yourself. The most important thing that Jesus taught us about prayer, when his disciples asked, them, asked him, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray this way, pray, our Father. Our Father. When we go before God, we, we're going before our Heavenly Father. Our Father who loves us. Our Father who welcomes us into his presence. Our Father who has the best for us. Our Father who cares deeply about us. We're going before him. We're praying to dad. 
There's a phrase, speaking of prayer, there's a phrase that is rampant within Christianity, is rampant within the church, that you need to remove from your vocabulary. You need to cut this out if you say this phrase. Never say this again. I'll be praying for you. Stop saying that. You know why? Because you don't. That's why. I'll be praying for you. Someone pours out their heart. Their life is a mess. Everything's crashing down around them. I'll be praying for you. You get out to your car, you can't even ever remember it. Stop saying, I'll be praying for you. Instead, say, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Amen. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be old King James. It doesn't have to be weird. You don't have to have a grumpy face. Can I pray for you right now? Let's pray right now. You'd be surprised. You will be surprised how much God can do in a little bit of time if we will be devoted to prayer. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to fast for 30 days before you can pray. We just saw they were breaking bread together. Okay, so you can go before the Lord at any time, at any place, at any moment, with any need. The book of Philippians says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Just go to God. When someone comes to you, they have a burden. When someone comes to you and this is what's going on, can you pray for me? Don't say, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll be praying for you. No, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Hey, guess what? We're going to practice this. I want you to say this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Let's pray right now. You have a hard time saying it, I know. We're going to practice it again. One, two, three. Let's pray right now. It doesn't have to be difficult. It, difficult. God will move if you will step out in prayer. Where you find these four marks devoted to the word of God, devoted to one another in fellowship, devoting to the breaking of bread together, and devoted to prayer, where you find these four things, you can be sure that the spirit of God is at work. You can be sure that the Spirit of God is moving. People don't show up for bacon and Bible or whatever. What is it? Bacon and Bibles? People don't show up for bacon and Bibles unless the Spirit is moving in their life. People don't show up. People don't open the book unless the Spirit is drawing them. People aren't devoted to one another in love sacrificially unless the Holy Spirit is working in their heart and in their life. People aren't practicing repentance, coming before the Lord, remembering his life, death, and resurrection unless the Spirit is working in their lives. And people are not taking steps, stepping out in prayer, devoting themselves to prayer and going before God unless it is the Spirit that is working in their lives. These are the four marks that we see in the book of Acts, the early church, Acts chapter 2. They were devoted to these four things, and the Spirit was moving among them. Finally, at the end, we see as, as, as the, the story continues that not only were they a devoted community, but they were a generous community. 
They were selling their stuff. They were giving to anyone who had need. No one was forcing them. This wasn't a, a, you have to do this. It was just out of the generosity of their hearts and what God was doing in them. They saw someone in need. They said, let's give, let's help. Let's come alongside of them. These are believers doing this gladly and cheerfully as God had been generous to them. And the whole point of all of this is that as these people had heard the gospel and they had believed the gospel, that gospel hearing and gospel believing should produce gospel living, should produce something fruitful, the fruit of the Spirit at work, the, the, the Spirit of Christ in their lives, sacrificially giving and loving and serving and wanting to be together and wanting to hear God's word and wanting to pray together. That gospel hearing should produce gospel living. And the result is something I think we all want to see that the Lord added to their midst day by day those being saved. Multiple times in this passage, it mentions that they were together. They came together. They had all things in common. They gathered in the temple together. One of the big challenges of 2020 has been the challenge to come together. But again, I just want to commend you, Living Word Church, as a church that has been devoted to being together even in the midst of a pandemic that you have not given in to the fear, you have not given in to the, the worry and the naysayers, and you've continued to come together. It, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a marvelous thing. I don't know how it is in, in Homa, but I know in San Antonio, only about half the churches are open right now. Now just think about that. Where are all these people? How are, how are they coming together? How are they loving each other? How are they receiving God's word? How are they praying for one another? But Living Word Church, you have been a model of a, of a spirit-filled church through this time. And I believe that you will also see on the other side of this, the Lord adding to your numbers day by day those who are being saved. Even though there's a pandemic going on, Jesus is still saving people. The gospel is still sounding forth from this pulpit every single Sunday. And the Lord is still adding to his church. And I believe that you are moving into a great season of seeing the Lord continue to move and work and his spirit poured out in an ever greater way. So as we conclude today, as we are moving into 2021, as we look at these marks of a spirit-filled church, the, the question I want to leave with each one of us today is, is where can you grow? In, in what area, in what place can you grow? Do you need to grow? Do you feel the spirit poking and prompting you to, to, to take steps for growth in one of these areas, being devoted to the word of God, being develop, uh, devoted to one another in fellowship? Being, being practicing repentance before the Lord or, or even coming together to break bread with one another or to pray with one another. Where is it that the Holy Spirit is convicting you? Is speaking to your heart right now. Has been dealing with you, okay? As we head into a new year, as we head into a new season, th- 
this is an area for growth. This is where we need to step it up. Now, I do believe, I know that, of course, for Christians, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the Holy Spirit does convict our hearts. He does draw us deeper. He does push us forward. So where are you being convicted? Where is it that you can grow in these four areas? And how is it that you, as a member of this church, a member of of Living Word, how is it that you can help and foster and come alongside the pastors and the leadership here and be someone who says, I want to be a part of helping build this kind of spirit-filled community here in Houma, Louisiana? How, how can I be a part? How can I help? How can I serve? How can I make a difference? Where, where can I give? Where, where, what can I lean into to bring my gifts and my talents and what the Lord has placed in my life to not be someone who, who buries it, but someone who brings it forward and offers it up to the Lord and, and offers it up to one another to serve the church? Where in these four areas can you grow and how can you help build this type of community at Living Word Church. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, we thank you, Lord, for how good you have been to us. Lord, we as people, as, as humanity that is fallen, that is strayed, Lord, we are not only undeserving of your grace, Lord, we are ill-deserving But even though we are not good, you are always good to us. You sent your son Jesus to redeem us. He has redeemed our lives. He has caused us to pass from death into life. You have filled us. You have poured out your spirit into our hearts and and into our lives and in our midst. Lord, each one you're working on, each one you're moving in our lives, each one you have a place and a plan and a purpose. Lord, for where you've convicted us today, where you've spoken to our hearts today, I pray that you would seal that with the Holy Spirit, that that you would press that down deep, Lord, that as we look to to moving into 2021, that we would endeavor, that we would work, that we would would, would, uh, pursue, Lord, living a life that is full of your Spirit, living a life devoted to these things, devoted to your Word, devoted to one another, devoted to the breaking of bread, devoted to prayer. Lord, I know the desire here is, is for there to be a, a church that is raised up, that is so on fire, so passionate for the things of God. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for what you're doing in, in, in the midst of these believers. Lord, I just ask for a special outpouring of your spirit, of your, of your blessing, of your grace here. As I know that this is a church devoted to those things, I know and we look forward and we anticipate you adding to their midst daily those who are being saved. We thank you for all of these things. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Yeah. Keep, his, keep his mic on. I took my mic off. Can we pray for Pastor Matt? Th- this is not social distancing, by the way. I, th- okay. I just want to point that out. It's okay. Um, he, he left his family the day after Christmas 
to, to fly in. Don't and, hold that against me. <laughs> I mean, I am a good dad, I promise you. Yeah, don't judge him. But I, I just think it's such a blessing that he came to, to bless us. So can you pray for him? God, we just thank you for Pastor Matt Bell. God, for sacrificing time with his family after Christmas and, and for coming and blessing us with your word. God, thank you for the, the sincerity of his heart. I thank you for his love for you and for your word and for your people. God, I pray a blessing over his life, over his marriage, over his kids, his, his four kids that he has. I pray that you help him and his wife to raise those kids, to love you and serve you. And I pray a blessing over Destiny Church. I pray the same things that he prayed over our church for his church. God, that you would increase his number, that people would be saved, that people would be devoted to your word, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to the fellowship, Lord. Or bless Matt Bell and Heather Bell and their family and their church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, man.